it took us all of 2019 of getting it more wrong than right. Um, and then 2020, it, it clicks. We go from 25 million to 100 million by the end of the year. We go from, you know, we're not, we're not totally explicit about the revenue numbers, but, but more than 300 million at this point already. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Hey, folks, my guest today is Oren Zaslansky. He's the CEO and founder of Flock Freight and leads strategy, fundraising, and executive talent recruitment. He also works closely with sales development, product roadmap, and fulfillment teams. They are building an algorithmically carpool LTL freight SaaS tool. It's a mouthful. The growth is incredible. Oren, you ready to take us to the top? I am. Thanks for having me today. I don't want to bury a lead here. So I had you back on, I had you on the show back in December. We did an interview, recorded an interview. We go deep. You teach me about shipping from LA to Chicago, trucks, terminals. I learn a bunch of stuff and you say we're doing about 75 million bucks in run rate. I wanted to feature you in an upcoming issue of the magazine. So I pinged you just to confirm the numbers. And you said, Nathan, we're at 300 run right now, million. What is going on? How did you get this much growth so quickly? Uh, well, I think it's fair to say we've, uh, we've achieved product market fit. Um, it took, uh, we're, we're almost six years old. The end of uh, 2021 will be a six-year-old company. And the first four years were excruciating. I cringe sometimes when I meet people today and they, they, they meet us today and they think, oh, this is easy. You guys are killing it. And the reality is like, well, you should have met us in 2018. So, you know, four years of building technology, building a business, working on use cases, getting it wrong, getting it right, getting it wrong again, listening to the customer, iterating, iterating, not pivoting, but iterating. Um, you know, a very agile environment until we really understood what they needed. And we figured that out in early 2019. And that was a guarantee of a shared truckload at the point of purchase. For the first three years, we were, Wait, we were aspiring Oren, Dive to deep it. into that. Dive deep what yeah. that means to people not familiar with trucking. Yeah. So, you know, the, the common way of moving palletized goods, and first of all, goods move on pallets uh, in the United States. So you're a manufacturer and, and you've made tables, chairs, computers, food, you know, kind of everything and anything. Uh, they're put on a pallet and they're sent across a very dense hub and spoke. Think eight drivers, eight trucks, eight terminals to go from that LA to Chicago example that, that we spoke about last time. Um, and that is unfortunately a very low quality. It doesn't pick up on time, doesn't deliver, it gets damaged, things get lost and stolen, it's expensive. Uh, and it's slow. You know, these are not the, the key performance indicators you typically hope for. What we do instead is we algorithmically create carpools or what we now call shared truckloads. So a customer can come to Flock and they can say, hey, I have four pallets. I have 12 pallets. I don't really want to ha- see my goods take forever and get lost and get destroyed. What is the alternative? And we would say, well, we're going to use our technology to create a ride share, a truck share program for you, one truck, one driver, and we'll make sure that truck is full. Uh, And so initially for the first three years of the firm, you you could imagine if you're building a carpooling model, there's technology uh, challenges, but there's also just what we call liquidity. You need volume. Marketplace. Marketplace. Got to line up time and space, simultaneity. So, um, you know, it it took us three years to get it to the point where it wasn't just aspirational. We'll try to create a share truckload. The market, our customers told us clearly, if you could guarantee it, then you've got something. 
if you're just going to try, that's cool. I mean, we, we were building a, a great business. We were, you know, raising capital and, and, and bringing on customers and retaining them. But the customers told us if you could guarantee that at the point of purchase, that I wouldn't have to gamble on this, then you would Orin, be doing just something. Be, just to be clear, these truck drivers, you're trying to sign up to add liquidity to your marketplace. And they're saying, Oren, like, I'm not going to go through the work of signing up if you can't guarantee my truck's going to be full. This is why this is important to you. Is that right? Well, there's two components to it. That's the supply side of the marketplace. Yes. On the demand side of the marketplace is a manufacturer, is a shipper that says, if you can guarantee my four pallets move hubless, don't see eight trucks, eight drivers, eight terminals. If you can guarantee me that if I do business with Flock Freight, they'll move on one truck, one driver, and never move through a terminal. That was the big, that was the big uh, activation moment, the big aha moment. So we built that. And that meant uh, additional optimization capability, more algorithms. But what it really meant was a pricing engine, a pricing engine that could sell you a portion of the truck and predict whether or not we at Flock would be able to sell other portions of the truck and ultimately get that truck full. Um, it took us all of 2019 of getting it more wrong than right. Um, and then 2020, it, it clicks. We go from 25 million to 100 million by the end of the year. We go from you know, we're not we're not totally explicit about the revenue numbers, but but more than 300 million at this point already um, in October. You know, so we're many multiples of growth on an annualized basis. How are you measuring we, that, Oren? So when you say 300 in October, what are you taking October revenue times 12? Yeah, so that would be you know, if you said uh, 25 million in the month of September times 12 would be 300 million run rate. We will do more than 25 million. Uh, in the month of October. So our run rate will be, you know, 330, 340 million, um, you know, uh, give or take in the I'm month of October. I'm looking for a gotcha. I mean, that's what everyone listening is going to be looking for. That 25 million in October revenue, I mean, that's SaaS margins, right? I mean, you're not like having to pay truck drivers. That's like not, not like a GMV number, is it? Uh, it's not a GMV number. It is uh, a revenue number, although I okay. would not describe it as, as SaaS margins, to be fair. Um, we, we have a fair bit of COGS uh, still in this firm. So we, uh, we've got an incredibly automated middle of our marketplace. The optimization engine and the pricing engine is, um, is phenomenal, right? Like un unlike anything that's ever been built before, the demand side of the marketplace, the manufacturer who needs our services is largely very automated. It's never finished, uh, but we are thrilled and it is easily stage appropriate. The supply side of our marketplace, we have a, a lot of cogs. We are still feverishly building out automated integrations with trucking companies, with carriers. So right now we still have a fair number of humans that are involved in what we call the fulfillment. Uh, hey, Mr. Trucker, are you available? You know, what's the price? Can we get it negotiated? Um, we are, uh, that's the primary focus of R&D, you know, so in our latest fundraising round, you know, announced about a week ago, um, the preponderance of, uh, Hold on, Arne, don't bury that real quick. How much did you raise with valuation? <laughs> uh, we raised, uh, $215 million led by uh, SoftBank vision fund Two. They led our last round as well. This was a, was a real preemption, you know, with these numbers, they, they came to us mid year, six months into the last round, uh, and said, you know, giddy up, uh, we'd like to deploy some more capital. Do, can you go faster? Do you have a use of proceeds? We said, yes, yes. And yes. Um, and so we raised into 215 at a, at a $1.3 billion. Uh, and valuation. the 113 you raised back in December, the Series C, what valuation was that at? Uh, 460, 470. Well, okay, I mean, incredible. So SoftBank likes marking up its own portfolio is the lesson there. And you're driving <laughs> incredible growth. Huh? That, that's what I should take. Well, well to, to, to be fair, uh, the latter, yes. The former, <laughs> no, they, 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 they don't like marking <laughs> themselves up. I'm not going to speak to it, but you've got a smart audience that, that, that can be problematic. 
Um, we brought in um, other pretty significant investors into the round. I'd say most notably, we brought in Susquehanna. Uh, SIG is a, is a major uh, private equity growth equity fund at $15, $20 billion. So they're participating in this round. We brought in a firm from New York called Eden Capital coming into this round. We also had pro rata, in some cases, I think super pro rata from, from insiders. So um, SoftBank was about half of the check in this round. You know, We had a, uh, another $100 million come in on top of what SoftBank wrote. SoftBank wanted to write a much larger check, initially up to $300 million. Um, and from a round construction standpoint, we, we you know, managed that number down, I guess it would say, so that our other insiders could also continue to buy up and we could bring in uh, new capital. Everybody loves to see some new faces around the table. Was 215 like the actual size of the round or did you raise a bunch more yeah. that went into secondary? Um, no, it was uh, 215 was the size of okay. the round. Was a port, did all that go right to the balance sheet or did you provide liquidity to, to some early folks? Uh, a little bit of liquidity to early folks, but only only team members, not not investors. Okay. No investors okay. wanted out. Uh, yeah. I, can, I can certainly say that. I can, I, I believe that. Many of you guys listening have built incredible SaaS tools to help other founders, specific industries, really get value or make some system easier. The problem is you can't help your clients until they import some portion of their data. And you've considered on your Trello board and your Sprint timelines, spending weeks building a CSV importer for certain data sets. You're spying right now because you know I'm right. And either you do it and you waste engineering time or you don't do it and your customers have a horrible time getting onboarded. And listen, let's face the facts. Your ability to give value to your customers sometimes is very dependent on their ability to get you their data. Once you have the data, everything is really smooth. Well, this exact problem probably explains why FlatFile is growing so quick. They've raised over $44 million and they do exactly this. The data onboarding platform for your marketing teams, your engineering teams, they enable you to get usable data faster so you can focus on what matters most to your business. And the fastest growing companies like my friend ClickUp, Zeb, multi-billion dollar valuation, they all use FlatFile. Now, FlatFile reached out, they wanted to sponsor. I said, do you got a good deal for us? And they do. For anyone listening, any anyone that's part of the top entrepreneurs community or get latka you can get a deal now to get started today at nathanlatka.com forward slash flat file and they make it so easy by the way their onboarding is beautiful you don't have to commit to a bunch of stuff you can actually see a demo live instantly right now check it out nathanlatka.com forward slash flat file when you say little to team members like under 50 million of the 215 yes Okay, very cool. Let me ask you a different question. Anyone doing the calculations in their heads, they're thinking $300 million run rate, $1.3 billion valuation. That's a very low multiple for others that are like at this revenue stage. Would you just say that's because of your cost structure and the cogs associated with the business model? Yeah, it's largely a, a, an issue of cogs. And we have to balance that all the time where you know, uh, every founder does, right? As you think about, I, we call it the balance between fear and greed. And the key word there is balance. You know, there are times where you don't want to raise because you're very greedy. And there's times where you'll take every dollar thrown at you because you're you're fearful. Um, as a founder, I've been in both of those situations and there's no shame. You know, you got to capitalize your business and make payroll. I think the key lies in the balance. Flock um, is going to be something gigantic. You know, we believe we can build a 50 billion, $100 billion revenue firm. Um, I, I think it's fair, though, to put us more in an Amazon type uh, quadrant, you know, than a Google type quadrant from a cost structure. We are always going to have some cogs uh, in this firm, and so from a multiple standpoint, 
Um, they are lower than they are in a true uh, SaaS firm. I, I think that's fair. The flip side is we're in a US $1 trillion space and we're going to build a multi- many billions in revenue in, in the next three or four years. So I think the, the ultimately the exit value of this business will be in the many, many, many billions going into the public market. you market. say private or do you go public market Q2, Q3 next year? No, no, no. Uh, we we want to stay private for at least a few more years. I'd say, let's say three years. This is a okay. bit of an educated guess. Yep. Interesting. Talk to me a little bit more about what metrics are important for you internally that might not be obvious to me, right? How do you measure marketplace liquidity, for example? Uh, well, the, the, the key, I think, metrics for us at this point are um, we're constraining our growth. We could go faster. We need more automation on the supply side, more integration on the supply side. So we're measuring... Uh, the total number of transactions that move through automation, you know, single digits going to double digits and scaling. Basically, what percentage of this business in 22 and 23 can we fully automate what we call quote to cash? So from a customer who's just beginning their journey with us all the way through to collecting capital. Now, Orin, is, that, to- is that that number? Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but you told me last time in 2019, you had 10,000 freight bills go through the platform. In 2020, you said it was between 10,000 and 100,000 for 400% growth. Is that what you mean when you say number of like quote Quotes going through. No, I mean we moved last month now already like sixteen thousand freight bills in the month. So you know that's the growth. Um, when I mean automation, right now on the demand side of the marketplace, it's automated. Customers order via integration or self serve online. Now okay. we have humans here to support that, but but it's it's as automated as we kind of feel it should be within the middle of the firm. The technology, the hard hard tech of optimization, the algorithms, the pricing probability work that we do, that is also automated. Um, but when we get to the supply side, you know, hey, uh, truck driver, will you move this freight? And if so, at what cost? How much available space do you have on board? It's only about 10% of the transactions on that end are, are really totally automated at this point. We want to take that number up. It's not going to be 100%, but to 80 or 90%. And we want to do that in the next 12 to 18 months. That's are there the any startups that have already seats. figured that out that you'd go buy? Um, Maybe we're, 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 we're taking a cold, hard look at it. There are, there are, there are a few that make that claim. It's unclear. It's real. The U S truckload industry is enormously fragmented, which in the long run is great news through marketplaces thrive in fragmentation. Um, you know, little players have a chance to, to, to participate day one. The challenge though, is there's no like clear, uh, aggregated point of volume where you can just go plug into a startup either as a partner or to acquire, you know, obviously we've got a pretty big balance sheet. We also have enormous capital partners, um, you know, who, who would love, they, we had a board meeting two days ago and they're asking me, Hey, you know, any acquisition targets, we got our checkbook out, you know, we, we feel pretty great about you. And the answer is, you know, we're looking at it. We're looking at it, you know, um, uh, but it's unclear that, that acquisitions are always the panacea that, that many believe. I mean, the, the, the data on acquisitions is pretty, pretty gruesome, you know, 75 to 80% of acquisitions destroy value. Um, Flock is not being built to say, yay, we're a billion dollar company, do some secondaries, and that's that. You know, Flock is being built to be a hardened, scalable platform that goes into the public markets and endures for decades and fundamentally changes the way freight moves in this country initially and then ultimately globally. So it's not to say we're adverse to some, some easier, fast wins. I mean, those are nice to have, but it's not what we're focused on. We're focused on long term value. Mm-hmm. How do you have that long-term folks? Or, I mean, m- many startup founders, when they hit a 1.3 billion valuation, they take secondary off the table. It's the first financial windfall for them. It's important for them. And then they go take a next big swing. Did you already have an exit before this? So like this is your big swing? Um, I haven't had exits, but I have founded two previous uh, traditional freight companies and I- I've made a-, a very nice living. 
uh, for you know 10, 15 years. So you know I'm I'm okay. I I, you know, I don't know that I want to disclose my salary here, but I'll tell you <laughs> I am far from being the highest paid person at Flock. I've got a relatively modest salary, and that's okay. I'm playing for the equity. Um, and I think, uh, and I'm playing for significance and I'm playing for purpose. You know, we're the only certified B Corp in freight. We have an opportunity to make a 40% reduction in greenhouse gas if we're successful at scale. That's important to me. I want to, re- you know, relentlessly remove waste and inefficiency, you know, from the, the U.S. Uh, transportation system. So, um, you know, I, I figure everything worth doing is hard. So let's take hard off the table. It's not that interesting. I want to do something that's purposeful and something significant. And I, I think I'll be financially rewarded along the way. So, you know, the secondaries are great. You give a lot of comfort. You know, there were there were a, there was some wealth uh, distributed last week, and I couldn't be more proud. Uh, to have been a part of that, you know, seeing people on my team and and the, the first, you know, the OGs as we call 20, ourselves, the 2016 OGs, you know, the 2016 OGs having an opportunity to you know bring some comfort to their families um, is is significant and and purposeful. And at the same time, we are just getting started. Um, you know, we take this thing in the public markets and we keep going. Managing dilution as you scale is a tricky thing. Most founders think yeah. about that after the fact and wish they did a bunch of stuff differently. You mentioned equity yeah. is really what you're playing for. Can I ask how much equity you've been able to hold on to up to this point? You can ask. I'm not going to answer that question can you, correctly. Can you, give me, can you give me a range? Uh, I mean, I'm going to own a small piece of something very big. I, no, I, it's, that's, it's the, a lot. that's a political it's, answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot on paper. But look, look, let me say this that I think is helpful to your audience because okay. understanding my wealth on paper, I don't know if it's helpful. What is helpful, this was advice I was given by uh, my lead investor from Google Ventures who led our Series A GD, a guy named Joe Krause. Joe Krause is a super successful founder, founded Excite back in the 90s. Uh, you know, he the was your Series search B engine. Series A. Oh, Series A. Um, this was 18 million in 2017, right? Uh, yeah. Yep. And that, um, that you were what? That was probably like what? 90, 100 million dollar valuation back then? No, half that. That was oh, wow. uh, okay, 57 wow. or 8. It was actually about six. Uh, no, post. The pre was like 41, 42, you know, something along those lines. Okay. Back to, um, back to I, your Google guy. Um, and what he taught me was. Uh, look, you're going to be taking on a lot of dilution along the way. And I get it as a former founder, now turned investor, it's going to make you crazy. But but let me convince you otherwise. Um, you have a certain number of shares. And that number of shares doesn't change unless you sell them. And if you sell them, then you have sold them. But until you sell them, that that numerator, so to speak, does not change. The denominator of the firm is changing, right? You're issuing new shares every time you raise money. But you have a certain number of shares. Your job is to take it from a tenth of a penny. You know, when you found and you do your hopefully 83B founders out there, do your 83B. Um, QSBS is real, um, at least for now. <laughs> it may go yeah. away. Um, but you know, you want that. You, you really want that. Um, you know, and your job is taking from a tenth of a penny to a penny to a dollar, to $10, to $50, to $100, to hundreds of dollars, you know, if you can. So I've hung on to that, you know, my percentage of ownership has gone down. But what is hopefully helpful to to some of your your viewers and your listeners is I don't think about it anymore. I really don't because I need capital. I need capital to build this business. We are not a traditional high margin, you know, uh, SaaS firm, but we're building something absolutely massive. My job complexity is that like we're a big business, hundreds of millions in revenue, hundreds and hundreds of employees, you know, need to double our headcount. How many now? How much headcount? Almost 350, 340 employees. 
Okay. You know, we're going to be seven, 800 by this time next year. That That's just complicated, right? From an organizational structure and leadership standpoint, that's really where my, you know, my time um, is going, but my number of shares doesn't change. But if I can take the share price to a hundred, you know, if I can take it to 150, you know, going into an IPO, you know, that is a lot of money. I mean, it's already a lot of money now. That is a lot of money. So, so for the founders out there, you're going to make yourself crazy going from 100% of a pie or two, two co-founders, 50-50, however you split it up. Yeah, that number goes down. And for most founders, it ends up in the single digits. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not yet in the single digits. I, will, I, will I was just going to finish I, with the last I'm, question and say, Oren, I I'm, promise I'll move on after this, but more or less than 10%, but you just answered it. So more than 10% I'm, I'm a, right now. I'm a, I'm a double digit guy, but, but to be fair, I was uh, mostly a sole founder. I have, I have uh, some co-founders that are advisors. They're not operators. So yep. they started with single digits pre-dilution and I had basically the whole cap table, um, but number of shares by the price per share and then get it liquid. That's the job. There you guys go. Oren, last question here, because you're one of the few I can ask this. You want to use investors almost like employees. You want to bring them on strategically, yeah. give them work yes. to do and make them hustle like hell to help build the business. How do you give yeah. work to SoftBank? How do you ask someone that big, that powerful, that you know impactful to do work for you? Um, good investors want to be helpful and they know they're not us. Um, so, you know, SoftBank is famous. They're infamous. I get it. Um, you know, working with Masa is a, a tiny piece of, of what we do when you're a software portfolio company, but really you live within your deal team. So within my deal team, um, who, you know, of course is on my board, I, again, board meeting on Wednesday, I challenged my team and a couple of things. I said, number one, I know, I understand how the private markets think we've raised nine rounds, about half priced kind of series C through series D and also some notes in between, you know, cause getting started or bridges up bridges, down, never down bridges, but kind of the good bridges and the, and the hard bridges uh, yeah. along the way. Um, and I said, look, I know how the private markets think about us. I understand what the story is. I, I've done it nine times. I understand what the key metrics are in order to create shareholder value. I don't yet understand the public markets. And yet this business is headed to the public markets. We're not yet ready to hire a banker. We're not yet ready to start talking to the exchanges. So it's, I wouldn't quite call us pre-IPO, but we're pre-pre-IPO, meaning find me people that can educate me on the story and under the key metrics to understand how we need to shape this firm over the next two or three years to get it ready for the public markets. You find those people. I'm too busy. Go to work. Uh, number one. Number two is talent, talent, talent. You know, we're looking for a, a vice president of engineering, a VPE. You know, our, our VPE was promoted to CTO. He's phenomenal. Lou Sines, the first person we hired, uh, absolutely transformative. Um, and now, you know, now we need to recruit a VPE and to re- VPE to replace him on the day to day. Tough role to fill, as you can imagine, you know, t- tough labor markets. Um, you know, so I put my investors to work and I literally said this to them. I would say founders also don't be shy of putting your board to work. I know you love all your kids equally, meaning your port coast, but you love me a little more you know, send me the top <laughs> talent. Let me know if there's a company dying, we could do an aqua hire. You know, you see a lot of things I don't see. Love me just a little more than your other children and help us bring out a world-class VP. Guys, there you have it, Orn Fluffrate. Orn, if people want to learn more about you and the business, where can they visit? Fluffrate.com. You can drop me a note directly, Orin, O-R-E-N at fluffrate.com. I promise that's me. That doesn't go to marketing or somebody else. And uh, I'd love to meet folks. And the 1.3 valuation pre or post. Post. It was post. Guys, there you have it. Incredible growth, 75 million in terms of run rate, just, well, gosh, 10 months ago, now over 300,000 in terms of run rate, 25 million a month and growing very quick. They'll double their teams over the next year, really focus on building a decades long company. Eventually, the public markets call it in two to three years. We'll see what happens next. Warren, thank you for taking us to the top. Thanks for having me on.